Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. So welcome back. We're doing something that we've never done before, and I hope that you're going to find this fun. So every three to four months, I do a five-day free challenge, and we're doing one this week. We had almost 20,000 people sign up for this workshop, and we've seen thousands of people watching the replay and seeming to find it very, very valuable. So I want to share it with you. So I'm going to share with you guys the content that I'm delivering in this five-day workshop the best of that content. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you want to interact with us and you want to be able to be there live, you can go to kathyheller.com slash challenge. But if you just want to listen to it, just like you do with the podcast, then this is going to be a great way for you to hear that content. If for some reason you want to watch this on video, you can go to kathyheller.com slash replay, and you'll be able to see the video of everything that we're doing in the challenge. It's laid out for you on a very clear webpage. You can just go to kathyheller.com slash replay. You don't even be in the Facebook group. You can just see all the replays if you'd like to also watch them and not just listen. And if you have any questions and you want to talk, you can DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller. But I hope that this fuels you. This five-day challenge is sort of me putting together every tool and all of the recipes that I feel are going to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. So without further ado, here's your soul's calling. Hi guys, it's day two. I'm excited. Welcome, welcome. Today we are talking about money. Money, 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 money. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about abundance and we're going to talk about tuning in to abundance. We're going to talk about letting it come on in. Who's here for it? Type a one in the chat if you want that in your life. I hope you do because it's here for you. Sometimes I look at it like there is a buffet of like sushi and all the Italian and then there's a carving station and people don't seem to know the buffet is right here. So instead they're sitting on the floor eating day old like cookies, like those cookies that they leave at conferences. No, the abundance is here. God only understands how to make magic and the most magnificent things. Go look into the Amazon. It is abundant. Look at the ocean, it is abundant. Look at all the different kinds of humans in the world, the different kinds of faces, the different languages, the different spices. The world at its core is abundant. And I'm gonna tell you something which you may not have heard. I'm gonna do my best today to help you rewrite the program. The clients are there, my friends, the money is there. And if they don't give it to you, they're looking for someone else to give it to. Do you know how much we love to shop? Do you know how much people love to spend money? Do you know how much we love to spend money? So if you don't offer what it is that you do, if you don't go ahead and make your own candles or create your own flower shop, they'll find somebody else who is. But make no mistake about it, the money is there. So today we're gonna talk about why perhaps we don't have the abundance that we would want to have. It comes down to a few pieces, which we're gonna all go over today. Today, we're gonna talk about what is the program that's running, that is literally running us. We're gonna talk about rewriting that program. We're also gonna talk about what are the steps to take. Quite often, sometimes people say like, even if I could change the program, I don't know what the hell to do. We're gonna break down today, what do you do and make it actually more accessible for you so that you can actually understand that this is something that you can do, it is within reach. I'm gonna show you today the basics of how I was able to build myself. 
into having an eight-figure business. I'm gonna show you how I've done that in so many different ways, and hopefully the light bulbs are gonna to start to pop everywhere. You're gonna say, I got this, yes. So who's with me? Who's with me? Tell me if you're ready to do this. Let me see the fire. Let me see it. Okay, I'm feeling it. All right, so let's begin with, when I say your mind is running a program, Yesterday I touched on this and I explained to you that we have neural pathways of fire and wire in our brain. Now you might be saying, who is this girl? I understand she hosts a podcast and used to be a songwriter. Why does she keep talking about the mind? So I'm obsessed with understanding the way that our mind, heart, body, soul all comes together. And so I spent three years at UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center, which completely changed my life. This was in 2007, 2008, and I learned so much, I studied and understood so much about the way that we now know how to actually step into our potential, what we understand about the mind, what we understand in, in data. God, do we love data, right? We like some data, like some data. All right, so I'm gonna share with you through the course of this week as much as I can about what we really are dealing with, my friends. Okay, so your brain is an artifact. Your brain is an artifact. What does that mean? It means that 95% of what you think is repetitive. It means that you have thought a thought and felt a feeling, thought a thought, felt a feeling, which then predicts a very predictable outcome. You're literally living Groundhog Day with your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and therefore actions every single day, unless you decide to be conscious of that, be aware of that, and cross the river into the other side, which is you not letting the program run you, but you running the show. Let's do that. Who wants to do that? I wanna do that. Okay, so one of the programs we're gonna talk about today is the way in which we will sabotage ourselves from having abundance. What we don't realize is that your brain, what was your brain created to do? Why do we have a brain? What's the job of the brain? There's one big job and then there's a few other jobs, but the main job is who knows the answer. That's right. Your brain was created to protect, to protect you, okay? There was a time thousands of years ago where human beings, we didn't have big edifices and homes to protect us. And there were creatures out there that are bigger than us. There's big bears and there's big saber-toothed tigers. And so what did we have? We have this thing in here, which is constantly on the lookout, constantly on the lookout for what could potentially hurt us. So your brain is brilliant. It is like the biggest supercomputer. Elon Musk's Teslas could never touch it. And it wants to be stimulated. So the way that it finds stimulation is by eating, chewing its way through problems. The thing is that these problems actually no longer exist but there have been things in our life which we've fired, thoughts that we've fired and wired emotionally to things that we think will harm us. And if we believe it will harm us and we've wired that thought with that feeling and then that electrical impulse gets sent to, the, to our cells and it says, danger, cortisol is being flown in here. Do not, do not go near here. We won't go near it. So what does that look like? Let's talk about your money story. Let's talk about some of the beliefs that you might have about money. I want you to get out a pen and paper. Let's do this. You, you may as well go all in, right? You're already here. Okay. 
So how many of you heard growing up anything negative about money? Did you ever hear that money was the root of all evil? Money does not grow on trees. If you want more money, you have to work really hard, which means the more zeros you add to your bank account, the less of you there is. Who has heard any of that? I want you to take a second and write down what do you believe about money? What did you hear about money growing up? What did your parents believe about money? Write it down. Write it down. Because I'm telling you that as much as we want to sort of be cavalier about this, the brain is running a program and that program will get you back to where you were yesterday every single day. It is literally Bill Murray and Groundhog Day until we rewire. And what we see is that the brain actually has what's called neuroplasticity. So we can literally see in brain scans that when you fire a new thought with a new feeling, you create a new connection. And then the old connections start to prune away. That's literally the words that they use, just like you're pruning away on a tree. We can create new roots and we can keep firing and wiring new thoughts, which will lead us to having new feelings, which will lead us to cast a different vibration into the world, which will lead us to a completely different destiny. It will actually bring toward us. It will call our future right into us. We become like a magnet for that which we are a vibrational match to. So if we are a vibrational match to money's the root of all evil, without even noticing it, the day will go by, the week will go by, the years will go by, and you will be bound to scarcity for no good reason. So what are some of the things that you were taught? Renee says, I think of, hang on, the comments are rolling by. Uh, Oh, she said, I think love of money killed my parents who worked 23 hours a day. That's extremely hard and fair. I've seen that. I've seen that story. Gretchen said, you cannot love both God and money. Interesting because King David, uh, who wrote all these Psalms, was one of the wealthiest people who ever lived in the earth. I think he seemed to love God. Um, But again, there are some deep thoughts here. So one thing that I've heard, and you're saying it, one of these things is... I have to choose between being a good person or having money. And I know you guys, and I know my people. I know the people who get attracted to this work. Your, one of your biggest priorities in life, one of your biggest values as an identity is to be good. So if you believed, or if you heard your parents say, you know, people with money are not nice, they're not greedy or they're not, they don't have integrity, that gets hardwired. And so without even noticing it, you would push that away. I want to change that for you. And we're going to go through a few of these. And then we're going to, like I said, do a second piece of this whole live today where we're going to talk about how do you actually do this? What are some steps to take and how possible is it really for us all to become millionaires? Because it's hundred percent possible. So let's go through this. I had Gretchen Rubin on my podcast. Gretchen Rubin um, wrote a book called The Happiness Project. She has a podcast called Happier. And we talked about happiness and we talked about money. 
And she said, look, if you're spending your whole day just trying to make ends meet, it is hard to be really happy because you are very preoccupied with having to struggle. And she also is the person who told me, and I looked this up and this is true, that Mother Teresa herself is the one who said, it takes a checkbook to change the world. And I often think about the more we have, right? If I have, this is iced coffee. So if this was filled to here, I can share more, right? If it's empty, <clears throat> what can I pour from if it's empty? I wonder if you can just think this thought for a second. Can you think of anyone that you know who has money who's kind? Can you think of an example of somebody who has money who does so much good with that money? Can you think of an example of someone who doesn't have money who's also kind? Can you think of someone who doesn't have money who's actually not very nice? And can you think of an example of somebody you know who has a lot of money who's not very nice? Maybe money is not the deciding factor. The way that I look at it is money is a resource. Have you ever heard somebody say, I, I don't want a lot of oxygen. I want just enough oxygen. I don't want a lot of water. I don't, just enough water, just enough, just enough water. But that's so ridiculous, right? Money is an incredible resource, right? And the way that I see it, the Talmud teaches that if you have a garden and rain falls, whatever that garden has will grow. So if the weeds take in some rain, the weeds will grow. And if roses take in some rain, the roses will grow. I think whatever you are inherently is just engrossed, enlarged, enhanced, the more resources you have, whatever those resources are. So if you are inherently a person who wants to do good in the world, the more you have, the bigger home you have, the more parties you're going to throw, the more money you have, the more people you're going to help. I was going to my doctor's office. I went through 13 rounds of fertility treatment. And so I used to go to this one doctor's office very often. And I would park on this one street in Beverly Hills and, and walk down the street. And I saw this guy every time I would go homeless man with the most beautiful energy and everyone would walk by. He would say, you're a miracle. How you doing? You're a miracle. You're a miracle, man. You're a miracle. And it used to touch me so much. And I would always have a little bit of money. I would have it prepared to give to him on my way to the doctor. And one day I didn't see him, but on my way back, I saw him, except that it was raining. And so I wanted to like run to my car. I didn't want to stop, but I said, you know what? I'm going to just give him money. So I, I grab, I look at my purse, $20 bills, all I could find, but it's raining. And I look at him and I look at the 20, I was like, I'm just gonna give him the $20 bill. And this is like when I was like in my early thirties. Okay. So it wasn't like, this is when I was songwriting and I was doing pretty well as a songwriter, but I wasn't making millions yet, but I'm like, I'm going to give him a $20 bill. So I hand him a $20 bill and he says, thank you. You're a miracle. You are a miracle. I said, you're a miracle. And I go quickly into the stairwell and the stairwell is all made of glass. And so I can see out the stairwell, this man, as I'm walking back up the stairs to my car in the parking garage. And I look out the window and no more than 20 seconds goes by. And there's another man walking on crutches who also appeared to be homeless. And the man I gave this $20 bill to looks at this man with the crutches and says, Hey brother, you're a miracle. Here you go. And he gave him that $20 bill 
He didn't hesitate. Like that. Gave it away. Now, that $20 to him was equivalent to, for some other people, would have been their whole life's fortune. He gave that away. So the more that we have, the more we can give. What do you think happened to the man who he gave $20 to? How do you think that changed his day? Probably changed it quite a bit. I saw Oprah speak twice live and she came out once the first time I saw her and she said, you know, every day I, I say a prayer and I ask God to help me be a noble custodian of this money. I ask him for the grace so that I can be a custodian and underwrite things in this world. And I want to ask you the next time you have this thought that you have to choose between being kind and having money, I want you to think about museums. I want you to think about hospitals. I want you to think about women's businesses who are being funded by other women. I want you to think about girls in Africa who are being given loans. I want you to think about the people whose names are on projects that are happening in this world because they allowed themselves to open up to receive. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of studies about this, but we need more women with those kinds of checkbooks, right? We need more women making those decisions. And so I'd like to usher in a new era where women are, are gonna stop apologizing for being powerful and where other women are going to support women who stand up and who say, I wanna be able to receive as much as I can so that I can be a conduit for it. Let me tell you something about money. Money's like blood in the body. It's gotta keep moving. Money's not meant to be held close. Gotta give it away. How many of you know Barbara Corcoran? Barbara Corcoran is an amazing real estate mogul. She's also on Shark Tank. She's such a badass. I had her on the podcast. She told me a story that, she told me a story that, um, sorry, there was a little thing that came up in my feed. It was distracting. She told me a story. She grew up um, with very humble means and she was working as a waitress. She once met a guy who said, you have a really good personality. Why don't you go into real estate? They started to date. They were together for many years. They wound up living together. He gave her a thousand dollars and said, I'll split it with you, whatever we make, let's go into business together. So they started a real estate business and several years in, she found out that he was sleeping with her secretary and he was actually going to marry her. So here Barbara was living with this man, raising his children, only to find out that he was now going to actually marry somebody else, not her, but her secretary. And she went to work the next day and she worked the next day and she worked the next day and a week went by and she said, what the heck am I doing here? Why am I here working for him? And she said, you know what? I'm out. And so she took her stuff and she walked to the door and he said, where do you think you're going? And she said, I'm not going to sit here and work here anymore. 
And he said, you'll be nothing without me. And she said, thank you for that. Because that's now my insurance policy that you will never see me fail. Thank you for that. And she said that gave her the fire that she would come hell or high water build her own empire. And she did. And then she said, every time money came into her business, she already had earmarked it to go right back out, to hire the next person, to buy the next building, to help the next cause, to invest in somebody else's business. The more we have, the more we put back in. And I'll tell you something about abundance. It's like love. People think that if you have one child and then you have a second and a third and a fourth and whatever it is, that you make this mistake. When I was first pregnant with my second, I remember thinking, oh my God, but I already love my first so much. How will I sort of divide it as if it's going to be 50% and 50%, but that's just not the way it is. It's like a candle. A candle can light endless other candles without losing its own flame and just create more fire. The more money you create, the more money you create for others. The more abundance you become a lightning rod for, the more you make that happen and possible for others. You then spend money in other people's business. You hire more people. You underwrite more things. You lift other people along with you. I want you to understand something really important, which is thoughts are not facts. And just because you think it does not make it true. I think one of the other inherent issues is that people feel shame around receiving. I think one of the most dangerous thoughts is I'm not worthy of it. I think that we have been raised to believe that things that are given to us, we have to earn and we don't believe we're deserving of them. And that's why I said to you yesterday, love, it's not supposed to be earned. And I think for so many people growing up, in order to get love from their parents, they had to get straight A's or look a certain way or act a certain way or major in a certain thing. Love was conditional. And so then we attach that to the way we think about receiving across the board. And also, what if I were to tell you that from the research we've come to understand that actually joy is the scariest, most vulnerable emotion? What if that's actually true? Brene Brown has studied vulnerability all these years. And she said, it turns out that we actually guard ourselves from too much joy because it's where we feel the most vulnerable. Receiving is vulnerable. Truly feeling like you're in a state to open your palms and let in love, let in light. What's that about? Well, if there's a belief in there that's firing and wiring, which says, who am I to deserve this? I'll tell you that for kids, it's often not even what's taught, it's what's caught. So sometimes 
your parents may say to you, you're, you can do anything, I love you so much, but what do you witness and what do you observe in the way they treat themselves? How do you see them showing up and receiving in their own life? And the more we receive, the more we can spill out and pour out our, our, our infectious enthusiasm and happiness and joy to other people. But isn't it amazing how we get so distracted from even filling up and charging our own batteries? We, I know people, myself included, there have been times in my life, and I've seen this with people so often, where they will go days and weeks and months having done nothing that makes them happy. It's like, well, who am I to take time to do that? I'm supposed to be productive. Why should I just go take a walk in the grass without my shoes on or spend 20 minutes just coloring in a coloring book because it feels good. But then how does that actually ripple out into the world when we feel good? So I want you to look at what are you really thinking and feeling? And the other thing is, and now we're going to start to go and we're going to come back to this too, but we're going to go into the scarcity belief because I think that there are moments where people can start to think, oh, you know what, Kath, I could start to open up to feel into the fact that I know myself and I could be a good person and have more. And the more I had, I could still be good. I could hold on to my integrity. But then you start to think, but I just don't think it's possible. So we're going to start talking about how possible it really is. But before we do that, my last question here is if you had more resources, if you had more of an abundance of energy, what could you do with that? Can you take time to call a friend once a day who might need that? If you had an abundance of money, what could you do with an abundance of it? What would you want to, who would you want to help? What causes would you want to put your name behind? Just write that down for a second. What would you do with more? If you had more of a sense of well-being, what would you do? Would you be able to give more to your kids, to your husband? If you had more money, what would you give? What would you be able to do with more? How could you change the world with more? So I want you to write that down. Think about that for a second. So now I want to start going into the second piece. And don't worry, we have five days together. And by the way, at the end, I will tell you about my program made to do this. You can see the little there's on either side of me. Um, and some of you will want to join me for three months. But we got a lot to cover. And how many of you are feeling like this is valuable? Because that's what I want you to feel. So we have a lot more to cover. Okay, let's start to go into changing our belief that the money doesn't exist, that there is no path to making this abundance. Let's start to rewrite that now. What do you say? Okay, so there are five ways for you to make money in this world. These are the five ways. I've interviewed over 450 people on my podcast. These are the ways that they all fall into one of these five areas. Are you ready? Here we go. You can be a maker, teacher, curator, investigator, or a service provider. And I'm going to explain those. 
hmm, what does that mean? A maker is a person who makes things. They might make clothes. They might make jewelry. They might write songs. They might write a script. Makers make. What about a teacher? Well, a teacher might be someone who teaches you how to organize, who teaches you how to create an online course, who teaches you how to make coffee, who teaches you how to write songs. Okay. What about a curator? A curator is a person who might love music and they want to be a DJ. A curator is a person who might love photography, but instead of taking the photos or teaching people how to take photos, they open up a gallery. A curator might be somebody who is a foodie, and instead of making the vegan brownies or teaching people how to make vegan brownies, they want to curate a, a, a site or, or a shop with all different artisan, local, batched vegan foods. What's an investigator? An investigator is a person who wants to talk about a thing, who wants to explore a thing. Gretchen Rubin, I mentioned her before, she's an example of an uh, investigator. What does that mean? That means that Malcolm Gladwell, you know, people think Malcolm Gladwell is a psychologist. People think that about Gretchen Rubin as well. No, Gretchen Rubin is a self-identified person who was not happy as a lawyer who wanted to go on a quest for happiness and just started sharing all the things that she was researching about happiness with other people. It wasn't look at me, it was come with me. She wasn't even an expert in being happy. She was like, I'm figuring this out. Let's do this together. Malcolm Gladwell was a guy who started to just be so curious. He was so curious about all different kinds of topics and he did a lot of research and he pulled things together and he wrote books about the things that he investigates. I would say that Joe Rogan and other people like Ira Glass, these are investigators. So investigators get paid to write blogs, to write books, to do podcasts, and they just literally get paid to be curious. And what's a service-based provider? A service-based provider is someone who says, I don't want to, you know, make a thing or teach a thing or curate a thing. I want to do a thing for you. I want to cut your hair. I want to be your Pilates instructor. I want to, and that's also a little bit of a teacher. Um, I want to uh, come to your house and interior design. I want to design and make it pop for you. That's a service-based offer. So I've actually done four of those things. The only one I haven't done is the service base. So I started out as a maker. I wrote songs. I sold my songs to TV shows and films. And I wrote songs for all different kinds of ads and Disney movies. And I even wrote a bunch of theme songs. In fact, if any of you have kids and you've ever seen Llama Llama on Netflix, that's me. I wrote and sang that theme song. Um, so I did a lot of that stuff. That was me being a maker. Then I started teaching. I started teaching songwriters how to break into that specific business of writing music for film and TV. And what was amazing is that I realized for everything I made, for every song I wrote, there was a line of people around the block who wanted to know how I made the thing that I made. And so that songwriting class really took off. And before I even started the podcast, I launched it and it wound up making $2 million a year, just teaching songwriting on top of the $300,000 I was making from writing songs. Isn't that amazing? And if you round it up to the nearest thousandth person who was even known, aware of my songwriting or whatever I was doing, it was a very small group of people and it was still extremely lucrative and extremely purposeful. And the best part was so many of those students wound up calling me and saying, guess what? I just wrote my first song for a Starbucks ad. Guess what? My song's gonna be in this new movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, guess what? And we would cry together. That was amazing. So I was a maker, then a teacher, then I became an investigator and I started this podcast and I couldn't believe that the podcast started to get sponsor after sponsor after sponsor until we had over 200 sponsors just for me to have conversations that I would have had anyway 
I started getting paid to have conversations with other human beings. That was amazing. Then from there, this woman, Libby McGuire, heard me. She was on the subway. She's like, I work for Simon & Schuster. This is a book. She offered me a book deal. Then I sold a bunch of books. Then I was offered my own TV show, which I'm still sort of thinking about and working on. All from doing that investigator work. Then I started teaching my community who listens to the podcast, this program made to do this. So I started doing more of that teaching. I want you to take a second and think about that for a second. Which one do you think you are? And just take a second, just for the fun of it, and scribble down. If you were gonna make a thing, what might you make? And you, again, need to be a C student. Just have fun here. Would you wanna be making cookies, making soap? If you were gonna do a thing, would you wanna organize people's closets? Would you wanna be teaching people how to do yoga? Would you wanna be teaching people to lose weight? If you were going to investigate a topic and start a podcast, would you want it to be all about Bruce Springsteen or 80s TV shows? Or would you want it to be about health and wellness or mindfulness? Take a second, take a second. Jot a couple things down. I'd like to see some of your answers here. What would be on that list? What would you teach? What would you make? What comes up for you? Which one do you think you are? And what might be something that you might teach that you might make? So I see Vanessa said investigator. Carrie also said investigator. Um, awesome. Keep going. I want to see these answers. What would be the things that you might make? You might make cakes, Tori said. Creator, teacher, giver. Beautiful. Maker, clothing. I love it. I believe that every single person deserves to feel good and happy. I believe that you don't have to be Michael Jordan in order to deserve to have a good life. I believe every person deserves to feel seen, to not feel invisible. There's a guy who was listening to my podcast. Some of you may have heard this story, but his name was Greg Franklin. And when he, when he told me his story, I was in tears. It really should be a movie. And I could already see Will Ferrell and John C. Riley and all these incredible people in this movie. But essentially, Greg was working in a factory that made plastic bags for dog food. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And he was living in Missouri with his three kids. And he said, I'm listening to your podcast. And you know, Kath, my whole life I was told, like, just get a job. Nobody said, what do you really love? What lights you up? Or what would feel fun? Or nothing, like nothing like that. And he was working at this job, eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, sometimes a day, standing in front of a machine that made plastic bags for dog food. And after listening and starting to get inspired, he said, maybe I'll just try something and be messy. And sure enough, Facebook showed him a, a recipe for cheesecake. And he said, maybe I'll make a cheesecake. And so he m messed around with a cheesecake and it wasn't very good because he actually forgot something important, which is a cheesecloth. He comes home from work the next day, it's like the middle of the night, and he's like, I want to do that again. And so he this time had a cheesecloth and he made two cheesecakes and they came out pretty well. And his family liked it, but they weren't going to eat the second one. And he goes down to the fire station in his little town and he says, here, we have a second cheesecake. And the fire chief says, thank you so much. And the fire chief calls him a week later and he says, you know what, Greg, 
that was delicious. There's one of our one of our captains is having a birthday. Could you make a dozen of them? And without batting an eye, he said, sure, even though he had no clue how he would do it. And he made 12 cheesecakes and they loved it. And he said, you know, what if I just started to do it a little bit? And so he would make some cheesecakes and on his off hours, he would go into his little town and walk into the post office or walk into the nail salon or walk into the bank and say, does anyone want to buy a cheesecake? And some people looked at him like, why are you here? And some people said, sure, what the heck? And he started doing it as a side hustle until one day he was at work and he got fired. There was a mistake um, that happened on his watch and that was it. He got fired. And on his way home, he called his wife and he said, you won't believe this. I just got fired and I don't know what I'm going to do. We need health insurance. I have to find another job. And she said, are you crazy? Let's give it up for good women in this world. She said, you're not going to get another job. Don't you think this is a sign? You're going to do something with the cheesecake full time. And he said, what do you mean? Like, we need health insurance. We have kids. She said, go to Google right now and go look at what today is. Today, that day that he got fired was National Cheesecake Day. She said, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. They decided that they would open up a cheesecake shop. It was gonna be 10 by 50, this little shop. And they decided that if they could make enough money, they would be able to pay the rent. And if they could pay the rent just for a month, they would keep it open for another month. The very first day that they opened, the line was around the block. They made three times the rent in the very first day. They wound up becoming the number one Yelp reviewed cheesecake in the state. They wound up having a listener of my podcast hear that story who owned a, a, a chain of grocery stores called Greg and said, I want to carry your cheesecake. They wound up not only being able to sustain themselves during COVID, but made more money than they had ever made. And Greg said, I never knew I deserved to be happy. And I always felt like it just wasn't possible. And the reason I tell you that story is because that's everybody and what I want you to get is that we make it harder than it needs to be. So another one of these beliefs that doesn't serve us is, oh, forget it, it's too hard. There's no way that I could actually make an, enough money or a lot of money doing what I love, so I'm just gonna do something that I don't love. But what if that's not true? What if you don't need the whole world what if there's this like illusion and it's it's actually keeping us from greatness we think that in order to make a lot of money i'm talking about millions we have to be taylor swift or we have to be carvel ice cream baskin robbins what if no what if mm -mm. i told you before that i was able to make two million dollars the first year that i started teaching a songwriting class online and that was something that didn't happen because I was famous or because I was on TV. My friend Jenny won Shark Tank last year and for years Jenny was trying to figure out what she wanted to do and she was a mom and she was iterating and she became vegan because it broke her heart that animals were treated a certain way and she decided to start trying to make vegan food and her meat eating, meat loving husband was never really on board. So they're Jewish and they grew up eating Jewish deli. And she said, what if I could make like a fake vegan corned beef and like knock his socks off? Maybe I could get him to be vegan. She tried it a bunch of times. Finally, she made this one vegan corned beef and he didn't know that it was vegan. It was made of like beets and chickpeas and he actually thought it was real. He said, you know what, this is really good. Well, 
Jenny wound up creating a multi-million dollar business out of her tiny kitchen, not because she went door to door and sold a sandwich to 45, 55,000 people, because she called 10 delis, 10 delis, 10 phone calls. She called the delis around LA and she started with her first phone call and she said, hey, I'm a mom, I'm a vegan, I made this vegan corned beef, would you like to try it? Went to the first deli, the manager said, this is pretty good. She said, would you like to buy a couple pounds and see if you wanna put it on the menu as an option? Sure. Well, what wound up happening is people liked it and each deli started to buy from her 10, 20, 40, 50 pounds a week and then it took off and next thing she knew, she was in Whole Foods. She was in Quiznos. Next thing she knew, she was partnering with Mark Cuban. But before she ever walked on that Shark Tank stage, she was making so much money and nobody knew who she was. And that's the illusion is that there's no way that you can make money like that. So why even try? Oh, and you wouldn't be a good person. Oh, and you wouldn't get to do something you love. Maybe you can make more money than you think with less. Maybe you don't need the whole world. You just need a small group of people who are obsessed with what you do. Maybe we have to realize that not everyone's gonna like us and that's not our job. But if we can solve a problem for a small group and we can make a connection with a small group, maybe, just maybe, it'd change everything. I wanna show you something. So I'm obsessed with business because I'm obsessed with people. And I don't think that business is a numbers game, I think it's a people's game. And when I was dropped from the record label and I told you I was working at all those day jobs and I couldn't even recognize myself in the mirror anymore, I quit the job and I, I needed to make money. My parents are divorced. My mom and I grew up in a little apartment. I didn't have any money coming in at all. In fact, now I feel really, really proud of the fact that I get to help support my family because they need that and I can do that. So. I needed to figure out a way to make money and I wound up realizing that maybe I could write songs for film and TV, as I told you. Well, it wasn't like those people were just standing outside waiting for me to bring them my music. And so I had to get scrappy and I had to figure out how, how would I be able to be paid to write a song for Coke or to write a song for Grey's Anatomy? How on earth? And I, I started to ask good questions like, what is the name of the person who chooses the music? How could I even make a relationship with that person? And so without having any tech skills, this is literally what I made. I made this, and as you can see, like it's not even centered. I opened up my MacBook at the time. I took these two pictures from the internet and I just decided, let me make this thing. And I wrote this thing, it says mochas and music, and it says, here's how it works. Here's how it works. Step one, email me your Starbucks order. Step two, on a pointed day and time, I'll show up with your favorite coffee drinks and serenade you with two songs. And step three, you'll continue your workday happy and caffeinated. And I put this in an email. This was a PDF. I sent this out to about 65 music supervisors, people who chose music at Disney, Paramount, Lionsgate, NBC, ABC, CBS, 
A bunch of those people never responded, just totally ignored me. Um, some people said things like, please don't ever send something like this. No, rejection, delete. And 28 people said, okay, sure. And I brought 28 people coffee. And I went in their office and I asked them genuinely, like, what made you want to get into this? This is like the coolest thing in the world. You get to listen to songs all day long. And I thanked them. I thanked them for helping indie songwriters like me get on the map. Like so many indie songwriters, like we talked about before, Christina Perry and Ingrid Michaelson, so many people only got where they got because their songs were on these shows. And we made connections. And then I did something that I learned is at the heart of business. I said this yesterday, radical empathy. I made a decision not to give them my music. I made a decision to ask, to ask questions instead. And I said, what song do you need? What story are you working on? What's this TV show about this season? Who's, who's the character? And people would light up and say, thank you so much for asking that. And they would tell me that so often songwriters would just like bring them records and say, can you pitch my music? Can you use my music? Can you use my music? As opposed to what do you need and how can I help you tell your story? And so people would just literally give me the answer key. You know, Kath, we really need a song about sisters. You know, we really need a song about overcoming the odds. You know, we really need a song about home. And I was like, awesome, I wanna write those songs. And so I would call up my friend Kyler and we would sit at the park and we would write a bunch of songs and we would go to the studio and I would send the songs in and one after another, my songs would be on TV, $58,000, $74,000. I had songs all over the place making real money. And when I turned around a few years later and I was making a few hundred thousand dollars a year doing something that literally felt like Disneyland, I was like, oh my God, I have 28 clients. It was the 28 people who I had met. Out of the world, there were 28 humans who called on me and asked me for music. So I want you to get, and we're gonna talk about this more tomorrow as I teach you how to build a business. Business is empathy. If someone is paying you, somebody needs or wants it. The difference between a hobby and a business, a hobby means no, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about it. But once somebody pays you, that means somebody's giving you this piece of paper, this green piece of paper, which is kind of like a little bit of a, it's like, it's like a value, right? It's a piece of value thanking you in exchange for this thing that they value, that they need, that you have, that you made, that you can give to them. And so I wanna debunk another myth for you guys, which is people believe that you either make money, but you have to do something you don't like, or you can do something you love and starve. How many of you have ever thought that or heard that? I know that my parents used to beg me not to go out to LA and not to try to do something artistic because I would be starving. Well, that's clearly not been the case. I want you to understand, my friend Jeff Goins wrote this great book, it's called Real Artists Don't Starve. Do you understand that it's always actually been the artists who've made the most money in every society? Think about Lady Gaga. Think about Michelangelo. Think about Mozart. Okay, but let's understand something. People sometimes believe that in order to do something that they love, they're gonna open a bead shop. 
They're going to have their own yoga on the beach. They're going to have their own poetry readings that they refuse to sell out. Have you ever heard this? So then they don't want to make money or they don't want to think about what somebody wants because then they won't be themselves. Here's what I want you to get. Artists and people who've done things they loved have always made. There's evidence for you to look and see how much money they've made. However, those artists did indeed care and do indeed care what people care about. Michelangelo was commissioned to paint the Sistine Chapel. He sat and listened to what they wanted. Does it make it less him? Does it make it less authentic? No. Our job in this world is to take our gift. Some people's gift is math. Some people's gift is software. Some people's gift is beauty. Some people's gift is fill in the blank. Our job is to take our gifts and to help other people with our gifts. When John Williams is writing the music to all of these amazing movies, or when Lin-Manuel Miranda is writing the music to Moana, do you think he walks into meetings at Pixar and says, I don't care what you guys want? He says, what's the story that we're all telling? What are we all doing here? How can I lend my voice to something bigger than me? And so with everything that I've done making music, what's the through line between writing music, having a course, starting a podcast, even doing this challenge? I'm constantly asking, what is the pain point of this person on the other side of it? What do they want to know about? What do they care about? And then I get to be totally me and use all of my gifts. So I want you to start to get that it's within reach. It is darn possible. And you can be doing something you love and make money, right? Um, so I want you to write it down for me. What do you think if you asked three friends of yours, what do you think they come to you for? What do you think might be another clue of your gifts? You think your friends would say, you have the best advice when I go on road trips. You always know sort of like how to find the cool out of the way cafes or you are the best listener. Or you think they would say, oh, I always come to you for fashion advice. Take a second, write it down. And you're going to do some of these questions today as part of your homework. But take a second and write it down. I want to tell you also about my friend Jamie. How many of you know Jamie Kern Lima and her story? Jamie sold her company. It's called It Cosmetics. Does anyone know how much she, she sold this company for? She sold it for one. 1.2 billion. She's a billionaire. Jamie grew up with humble means and she was a Denny's waitress and she has rosacea. So she was always very self-conscious and wound up making some tubes of a foundation that finally worked for her. And she started selling it to her friends and she thought it was really actually great. 
and she met with all of these people who were all potential investors who all said no. And she went to HGTV and they said no. But she believed, I'm going to do this. And I want you all to think about this. There's a big difference between hope and certainty. This is hope. This is certainty. Hope? I hope so. I'm certain. Let's go. I often say to people, when you're going to do something, like start a podcast, don't say I'm trying to start a podcast. Say I'm starting a podcast. Don't say I'm starting to start trying to start a business. I'm starting a business. What is the vibrational energy match of I am making this money? I will make my thing. I will serve the world. That's certainty. Imagine going into an operating room and your doctor has a lot of hope but no certainty. And she looks at you and says, so I hope it will go well. I hope that I'll see you in a few hours. You're like, get me off the gurney. You want the doctor who's like, I'm going to tell you right now what I'll tell you in three hours. It went great. You can go to sleep. It's going to be awesome. I'll see you in three hours. That's certainty. So with Jamie, she had this like, oh, I'm doing this. And they kept saying no to her. And do you know that eventually she went back many times and finally the guy at HGTV said, nobody wants to buy something on camera from someone who looks like you. You are not what is going to sell this. And she wound up deciding, give me a chance, give me a chance, I'll show you that you're wrong. And they said to her, do you know how it works? You have to first of all pay your own way to have the product ready because you have to sell a certain amount of product on HGTV and if by the two minute mark or three minute mark you haven't sold a certain amount of product we actually cut you so why would you want to spend twenty thousand dollars making tubes of this makeup just so we'll cut you after the first minute because you you will have to have sold like a thousand of these bottles in a minute and you're not going to be able to do that she said I'm doing it so she backs out her credit cards and she went down there and she got on camera And you know what she did? She opened her heart. When they zig, you zag. Instead of being this perfect curated whatever, she was just Jamie. And she's doing her thing and not realizing the time is going by. And next next thing she knows, she sees a bar go up on the screen about six minutes into the segment, says sold out. She sold out in six minutes. She wound up being the most profitable makeup ever sold on HGTV and she sold her company for 1.2 billion. We have to rewrite the it's not possible story, the I'm not worthy story, the it's too hard story. We get distracted. But your higher self, your soul is right here. It's always within reach and it's not gonna be satisfied if you keep playing in this space where you're not fully showing up. So what I'm trying to do this week is to change the program and then to start to give you some clarity on what is this path forward. So tomorrow we're gonna go to the next step. Tomorrow we're gonna start looking at how do you build a business, okay? So now that you start to see that there's a possibility, you have these like five different ways, you start thinking about what you could sell, How do you get proof of concept, validate an idea, and scale it 
And how do you market your message to the people who it's meant for? And how do you do this in a way where you have empathy, where you have integrity, and you are having fun, and then you start giving people everywhere, all around you permission, that they can step into that as well. Who's having a good time? Okay, speaking of having a good time, I'm going to pull up, my team emailed this to me earlier, I have the names of the winners who did their homework yesterday. Um, and I'm going to ask my team because I should have taken a better screenshot of it. Can my, anyone who's on my team, can you send it to me again right now so I can share it? Um, because I would love that. And I'm going to tell you guys something fun. So we have, so you guys, if you're anyone on my team, I know you're all here. Send me a, the other screenshot of the names of the winners so that I can um, so that I can announce it. Um, we are going to be doing new homework today, and we're going to be doing uh, more giveaways. We want you to take action. The name of the game is that the way that we actually start to integrate is through experiential moments. So the truth is that our our brain will not really retain things just because we learn them. We have to feel them, integrate them. So the more you take action, the more we know that you will actually get even more out of this free five-day challenge. So there will be homework posted in, in just a little while, and um, there will be more giveaways and more winners. Um, we are giving away something so beautiful. How many of you know Morgan Harper Nichols? She is such an incredible talent. You should definitely go follow her on Instagram. Um, and by the way, later this week, we will also talk about something I know that you all might want to know more of, which is how do you really make things fly on social media? Like how do you start to gain traction there and not just create an audience, but to create real engagement? Um, okay, so I have the homework winners uh, and I wanna congratulate them. Thank you all for participating and doing your homework. The three of you uh, were chosen. That means that you get the spiritual gangster um, and you also get the uh, Brian Anthony necklace that we posted. All three of you get those. And then for tomorrow, as I was saying, we're going to be doing another giveaway. We're doing a Morgan Harper Nichols bundle. She has this beautiful sweatshirt with her artwork on it. And she also has this incredible mug. And I love supporting women and businesses. And so we'll be choosing three of you. And also I will be choosing one of you will be getting a full scholarship to my program and two of you will be getting a partial scholarship. So do your homework for tomorrow because you'll be hearing more about the program at the end, but I have a feeling you just might want those scholarships. Um, I wanna be giving more of that away as we go through the week. We usually save those scholarships till the end, but I figured let's let's do more of that now because it's so much fun. So congrats to the women who did your homework and do your homework uh, tonight. I also wanna remind you that you guys each have been assigned a mentor. You have the most fabulous team of women mentors here who have all built multi six figure and seven figure businesses who understand empathy, who understand all different kinds of businesses from products to services, to memberships, to experiences. We are going to talk even more about those things tomorrow. We're going to talk about how would you start to validate and create a course or a membership? How would you validate and take that next step to understand if you have a product that can be scaled? We're going to talk more about that tomorrow. Who is excited? I see it. I love it. 
Okay, I also wanna ask you to do something because we're talking about abundance, right? If you've been inspired by this, I want you to take a screenshot right now of this live. I want you to post it in your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller so I can repost and just we can start sharing this energy and people can say, what is this energy that's going on over there? Also, um, for anybody, if you have friends who you're like, this is really straight fire and it's free and it's so valuable and I want my friends to watch it, send your friends to kathyheller.com slash replay. And for anybody who wants to watch things again, we have a landing page where you can see things clearly. You can go to kathyhell.com slash replay and you guys can go see all the replays there. Um, I love you guys. I don't know if you can tell, but it's very hard for me to get off of these lives because it is literally the funnest thing ever. The time flies by. Um, we are going to keep building upon what we've done in the first two days. There's a method to the madness. So stay with me. We also posted earlier today that if you want an accountability partner, you can post in that thread and you can find someone. You could talk through your homework. You could start riffing on ideas. You know, it's amazing when you have a safe sounding board, what momentum comes just from having someone to talk these ideas out with. But stay tuned for your homework later today. I hope that you will start to fire and wire new, more empowering beliefs into your mind, which will start to open you up to the vibration of the true abundance that is here. As I said yesterday, all potentials exist right now in this present moment. It is far time for us to overcome this limited paradigm so that we can reach our arms wider. And I will say this last thing, which is I was thinking and talking about my grandmother this morning. I was talking to my team about my grandmother. My grandmother, she would have been like 106 today. She was born in 1918 and her parents came as Russian Jewish immigrants, escaped such like horrors. Um, and when they got here, she in that time wasn't even able to finish sixth grade girls were not able to finish school i mean she barely got through fifth grade and then that was it for her and i asked her before she passed if she had any regrets and she said gosh i would have loved to be an artist i would have loved to have my own money and do my own things and i think to myself what excuse do i have to not do every single thing I can to to build a legacy for myself, for my girls, for other women, for the world, when she didn't have the opportunity. We stand on the shoulders of giants. And I want you to think of who you can rise for, who sacrificed so that you wouldn't play small and spend the time scrolling your phone, but you would stand up to any of those doubts and beliefs and say, not today. You don't pass through today and get a seat at the table. Today is a day that we begin a new, a new path. And we start to usher in a new dawn. Who's with me? I love you guys very much. I'll see you tomorrow. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I actually love doing these challenges so much that um, I will come back in a couple weeks and, and do a whole episode actually on how to do five-day workshops and why I think that they are so effective and why they can really help people and why I think that if you have a platform, it is so important to be giving value to your audience like this. So really these free events um, are so meaningful and so rewarding. I hope that you're finding it just as rewarding and I'll be back tomorrow with the next segment. 
If you found this helpful, please feel free to share it, text it to a friend. You can email them the link or you can post about it on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. And because we're so excited about this five-day challenge, I'll definitely try to repost if you guys say something that you feel you're taking away from this. I'd love to hear. Talk to you tomorrow.